This is Doug Green, and I'm the publisher of Technology Reseller News, and I'm very pleased to have with us again Richard Brandon of RT Brick. Richard, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me on. So we're going to be talking about AI, and we're going to be talking about how AI changes our ability to plan and manage networks, and also to predict faults and problems. It's really exciting developments. So Richard, can you tell, can you provide a, a brief overview of the state of AI in the telecoms industry? Sure. I mean, it's um, obviously AI in general, you know, it's a very hot topic and in some areas probably overhyped, but in other areas, I think, you know, it's, it's the, the change it's going to bring, we haven't even really got our head around. And, and I suspect in telecoms and networking, it's in the latter category. You know, these are um, networks which are, are hugely complex and people are, they pe people spend a lot of money trying to operate them. Um, uh, and uh, the consequences of them not working are very uh, drastic. So, um, you know, most of our customers have already got some kind of project to look at uh, AI in their networks, how they can use it, how it can improve their their um, uh, operational environment. So, I think I think it's all you know it's already arriving, but we've got so much yet to come. And so, you know, the operators are leveraging the technology. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, and. Um, uh, it's it's as I said it's it's an area where you know, there are, you've got networks with thousands tens of thousands even hundreds of thousands of different components going on and you're trying to you know manage those in with with human beings is um, you know sitting in a network operation center traditionally looking at various dials and gauges and and you know data coming in you know it's um, it, it, it's a losing battle compared to what AI could give them. So this seems to be the year of AI as a practical thing is we're going to be using it for an actual thing. And I'm wondering if, uh, if operators can leverage AI to improve network planning. Absolutely. I, I think there's, um, there's sort of broadly three areas. I mean, some people would perhaps bring out some more, but I think there's three most critical areas where I uh, can help planning is one optimization we'll, we'll, we should talk about and mayhaps most excitingly fault resolution but but network planning is a good place to start you know you you um, have growth in uh, subscribers coming onto a public network you have growth in individual traffic from each subscriber you have um, changes in that traffic uh, you know we looked you know in the pandemic there would be changes in profile of you know more video conferencing happening um, traffic going up and down in all these different aspects. Um, so, so trying to plan around that is inherently extremely complicated. So an AI system that can can detect trends, identify things before you can, and not just growth, even you know um, gaps in demand when it might be quite practical to turn equipment off, reroute services to uh, other equipment which is underutilized, uh, which could save power. Um, Things which would be unmanageable really to do with a human interface suddenly become quite practical. So can you give some examples of specific factors that AI can analyze, unlike in humans? Yes. Well, I mean, there's nothing a human couldn't analyze. It's just the quantity of information that would make it impractical. Um, so, you know, obvious example would simply be in a, in a broadband network uh, would be um, traffic throughput coming from a certain users at certain times of day. Um, maybe on a mobile network, you could say something similar. Um, 
and then taking that information and and predicting where that uh, where those choke points are going to be so how do you end up putting new equipment in place just in time for those choke points you don't want to invest in it too early but you certainly don't want to be caught late and not being able to satisfy demand so um yeah seeing an uptake in traffic types maybe there's a lot of traffic's driven by video maybe there's some of that traffic um uh growth would be certain trends and popular tv series that come online to be streamed and, and it's more plausible for ai to pick that up than it is for an operator to just look at a macro level dial and go oh our traffic seems to be increasing but we don't know why so is network optimization really possible with ai absolutely and and to a level that's you know we've we haven't seen before we've always tried to optimize networks of course um and you know there has been data but it's 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 uh yeah it's something you have to look at at a more macro level and it's not as real time um and ai is is you know perfectly placed really for this i mean i think you know i say sometimes ai can be overhyped you know i've you know like most people in a professional capacity i've sometimes i've dabbled i've been interested what could ai do to me i'd like i'd like some new web copywriting about rt bricks disaggregated networks and generally it's very bad at that kind of thing because there isn't much data to draw on you know there aren't that many websites about disaggregated networking so it's probably going to our own website in the first place and trying to figure out what it should say about it whereas when you look at the data coming out of a telecoms network especially when we if we could talk a little bit later about disaggregation what that does in terms of the amount of data it's huge and, and, and for one of the thing ai loves is its ability to get its hand on a lot of a lot of data to learn from so let's talk about uh, fault detection it was one of the first things you we talked about just before we started our mm -hmm. podcast today can ai truly help identify and address network issues before they really significantly impact regular users and organizations Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I think most people in the industry are pretty confident it can. And I think that's um, not to say it will, it will be able to predict everything that can go wrong. Um, it's hard to see how it might predict, um, you know, somebody accidentally putting their uh, digging equipment through a cable. Um, but there's plenty of stuff it, it can predict. It can look at things, correlations, which, you know, we, we probably haven't even learned about ourselves yet. Um, uh, you know, electronic components often fail with temperature extremes. So it, that could be a combination of how uh, that component is, is aging along with um, the, the weather conditions at the time, especially if it's located outside of um, an air conditioned environment. Uh, along with yeah, other factors, maybe it was a batch of, of product that was made that where the, the temperature resilience wasn't quite as good as it, as it should have been. And AI will have the ability to pick up all of those things, correlate them together and say, oh, in these circumstances, we've got an optical transmitter. Um, we've got this kind of weather. We did from that batch. It, we probably should think about it, uh, changing it out because we think it's going to fail. And there's no way a human being could do that. And I think that's perhaps the real nirvana of, of applying AI to large, complicated networks is to, is to cut those faults out before they've even happened. So help me understand this concept. You've talked a little bit about it in our podcast today of disaggregation. What does that mean? 
And why do you think it's going to be, maybe you've mentioned it'd be cost effective, might improve power efficiency. You know, why, why is this such an advantage? Yeah, so it's, it's and this is a real par a parallel thing that's going on, um, uh, not in some ways directly uh, affecting AI, but but in, in other ways it will. So disaggregation is um, really taking apart traditional telecoms equipment, which has been sold as a combination of hardware and software in one system. So you go to, uh, you, you look at all the networks we've had running for decades now, um, and you buy equipment, whether it's whether it's a core router, whether it's an optical line system, whether it's radio equipment for mobile. Um, and you have to buy the hardware and software as one from the same vendor in the same way that we had to buy computing from one vendor 40 years ago. If you went to buy your word processor, you might have bought it from Wang, if anybody remembers that company, and it would have arrived as one unit and it didn't do anything else um and you couldn't you couldn't use the keyboard for you know for operating a spreadsheet um uh, and you couldn't use the software and anything else and, and computing is for you know we've got used to that now for for decades where you buy your hardware from one company and you buy software from another and the two will just interwork and that's now starting to happen with networks as well and that is what we mean by disaggregation so you buy um open hardware uh, may you know, may be made in um, in Asia uh, very cost effective powerful um, and then you put some software on it from companies like RT brick and that turns that into a specific thing in our case it would turn it into an MPLS router for use in a telco network um, broadband etc another software vendor might turn it into a core router another software vendor might turn it into a cell site gateway um, so that's really what we mean by disaggregation. It's very disruptive. It's very disruptive to the established vendors who are who are not uh, not so keen on it for obvious reasons. Um, potentially, uh, um, well, it, it will lower costs and is lowering costs. But um, perhaps more important is that flexibility. The fact that you can mix and match your hardware and software like you've been able to do in computing. Um, and then the sort of well, so what's that got to do with AI thing? Uh, is how much data you can extract from disaggregated systems is an order of magnitude greater than you can typically get out of these proprietary um, monolithic systems. So you, you can dig into these databases and you can extract everything that's ever happened to every packet that goes through that switch. You can extract um, the temperature of all the chips. You can extract the speed that all the fans are running and you know, if you gave that to a bunch of people sitting in an operations room, they'd just be overwhelmed. But if you give it to an AI system, suddenly it's going to be able to correlate if fan speeds increase with potential failures. So disaggregation is a very parallel activity, an introduction to AI, but the two go hand in hand really nicely in terms of more data in, better value out from the AI system. You know, that let's stick with that for just a second, because I think I'm imagining that as we move further and further into more and more applications of AI, we're going to have a lot more data on the network, uh, a, a lot richer uh, and many, many, perhaps huge, larger challenges too. Mm -hmm. So how does network disaggregation contribute uh, to a more data rich environment for AI systems? 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. And really, uh, yeah, you, you kind of take us a, a higher level there than, than let's, you know, how do we use AI to manage the networks itself? But if everybody's using AI, um, yeah. you know, to do everything else, to healthcare and to do, you know, earthquake prediction and to do whatever um, AI is for, then, um, you know, I, I sort of tend to think about AI in, in two phases. There's a, there's um a learning uh, uh, phase, you know, if, you, if we stay with healthcare, clearly it needs to be able to learn about correlations of symptoms and, and diseases and cures. Um, and then for certain applications, there's a real time input. Uh, sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't, but for the ones that, that, that are out there looking for real time input, so say in healthcare, um, if, if we're trying to detect um, the next virus, the next pandemic, the next flu virus, we need to be able to suck information in from all the endpoints. Um, so it, it's a little bit like I think in our own intelligence, we have the brain and the brain scan, you know, the data center th throughput, the processing, the storage, you know, the, the ability to learn all that stuff. But the, the brain isn't much use without a good set of inputs from the nervous system, from our eyes, from our ears, from the senses. And that's where there will be potentially strain on the current network infrastructure if um, if we need this information to come in from uh, mobile devices, from smart watches that are monitoring our health. Um, that will pull more data onto the network, and and it's quite possible that AI is the next the next big data, uh, the next big sort of capacity sponge. I suppose um, you know I think the last one we really saw was was online TV and video streaming and, and you know, everybody uh, doing what we now take for granted, which is just, you know, watching on-demand television. Um, but, you know, AI could be another, another trigger for the fact we need more data in the network. Disaggregation in itself there is simply a way of building out more capacity for a fraction of the cost. Um, I would say that's its, that's its role there. That's, you know, why would you... If we have to double, triple, quadruple our network capacity around the world, you know, why wouldn't we use this as an opportunity to figure out how to do it for a quarter of the price? So you have AI and you have disaggregation, and it sounds like hand in hand, you're thinking this is going to change the way we do network management. I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. I, I think you know people will adopt AI for sure. They already are, um, and you know, in the same way that the old adage in, in IT of garbage in, garbage out is true, then the opposite is also true, you know, better quality in, better quality out. Um, and if you've got a network that can feed your AI system with 10 times more data than your competitor, you're going to have a better operated network. I think that's as simple as that, you know, your AI system is going to be learning more in-depth things faster about where your network needs more resources, what might be about to fail. Um, so you want to be able to get as much data as you can. You want to be able to get it easily. Um, you want to be able to get it in a common format so it's easy to go and interrogate all that those, those devices. Uh, and all of that lends itself to open networking and disaggregation. And ultimately what does this mean for industry in other words at the network level we have this transformation you mentioned healthcare uh, for example you know are there industries that that are going to be really transformed by all this 
Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you know, we broaden into a general, you know, AI discussion. I think healthcare is, you know, going to be the poster child. I think it's, it's, a, it's a problematic area for most countries. It's expensive. Um, any smarter ways of doing it, uh, you know, are going to be very well valued uh, and they're going to be well resourced in terms of people investigating them. So I think healthcare is important. I mean, people will point to AI in, in even in the creative industries, you know, which is, is a bit scary. Um, uh, and, and maybe we'll end up with a load of derivative movies that are just based on the last 20 years. But then if you've been to the cinema recently, you might say that's already been happening. But, um, you know, I, th I think healthcare is fascinating. I mean, I think, as always, you know, there's going to be military applications. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm, it's not my, my field, but uh, it's hard to imagine. And when you look at some of the, the you know, the conflicts that are going on at the moment and, um, you know, again, data coming back from the ground that is, you know, hard to process. And if you can, if you can do that, you can, you can, yeah, act more efficiently with your military. Um, yep. So I think, you know, that, that for sure will be another one. And again, of course, also a very well uh, resourced area. Um, but yeah, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to think of an area that probably couldn't be impacted. I mean, uh, autonomous vehicles, um, yeah, this, it's, it goes on and on really. Um, so yes, lots of, I think from a network perspective, potentially a lot more stuff on the network and that network being pretty critical, um, uh, even more so. And then within the network itself, uh, using AI to operate it better to reduce faults to fix things quicker. Yeah, Richard, I really want to thank you for joining me today. This has been very interesting as always. Um, I hope we get to do this again very soon, but I want to give you a chance just to tell everybody about RT Brick and where they can learn more about your company and what you're doing. Sure. So um, first of all, where you can learn more, of course, uh, the website's a good place to start, which is rtbrick.com. Um, the name, just as a bit of background, the RT is uh, is kind of tech speak for router because uh, that's what we do, and and the brick is there because our softwares are built in lots of composable little modules, which is a very kind of modern microservices way to build software, and yeah, we're um, we're taking on the kind of big guns in the networking industry, and uh, so far having having some considerable success. Uh, our focus is on telco network edge fixed networks broadband networks the broadband network gateway multi-service edge um working with uh, a number of white box switch manufacturers so you can run our software on a bunch of different hardware and um yeah replace your your old-fashioned as we would call them let's be generous and say traditional uh, telco edge network legacy Legacy is another one I, that I always like to twist that knife as well. All right. Well, with that note and with a, with a little bit of a glimpse into the future and into the future of how this industry is going to impact other industries, Richard, again, thank you very much indeed. And I'm looking forward to our next occasion. Thanks, Doug. Me too.